The original star of your kaiju film has been killed. And yet, how can you kill that which brings you in box office dollars in the millions? You sacrifice not having the director cast or soundtrack of the original film, and you throw together a movie from scratch to capitalize while you can. Welcome to the cash grab that is this week's episode of Kaiju vs. History, Godzilla Raids Again. Hi everyone, my name is Patrick, and with me is, as always, my co-host and co-historian, Miles. Miles, how are you doing? I am doing well. I'm I'm, I'm still basking in the glow of last week's watching of, of Godzilla. Do you want and... to just do Godzilla 1954 part two? We can yeah. talk another hour or so. About so I, so before, before we get into the subject of this week's episode, this is something that we haven't come across yet because we've taken our time with so many episodes, but there are going to be some films that we skirt through pretty quickly. And as, especially after Godzilla. And so if you, from this point on, see some episodes that might be 15, 20 minutes, they probably won't get any shorter than that because we, we both can be <laughs> long-winded myself very yeah. much included we but i did try wa- try for 15 minutes which movie is going to be the first 15 minute one we'll see well, let's make it this way um <laughs> so so without further ado let, let's start talking about godzilla raids again because I, we have this crazy sense of deja vu like this has happened again this is very similar to what happened with son of kong right after king kong Within one year of one of the most classic kaiju movies of all time, we get a rushed sequel. It's just so crazy how King Kong and Godzilla are are similarly tied to one another. Uh, well, 21 years apart or whatever. I'm going to give this film this. It's not the dog poo that Son of Kong was. Spoiler warning for a rating. This is rated higher for me than Son of Kong. <laughs> Son of Kong is, I mean... They like created the cash grab, and this doesn't feel as as much as the intro um, stated it was a a cash. I mean, it was it was as a, a cash grab because Toho saw the ticket sales for Godzilla and were like, "We need more ticket sales like that," you know? Yeah, they, they didn't quite see the beautiful masterpiece that Ishiro Honda created. No, they, they saw lines around the yeah. block, and exactly. I mean, they they knew. I mean, it, they knew rightly so. This is a phenomena. This is not a film. This is a, a an experience that we need to replicate for our studio as soon as possible. And I think because of that, because because I will say this, I think Godzilla Raids Again makes some attempt to try to replicate what made the first one work, whereas Son yeah. of Kong did not. And its failures are less spectacular than Son of Kong, but it obviously does. It still pales in comparison to that first film we don't have to wait 50 minutes to see (laughs) the new king kong at the very least yeah there 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 is that but i i think also as i talked about last week godzilla is very similar to many many horror franchises where you have this first film that does something special something different and something effective and then you try to follow that up often with a sequel that does something either similar or tries to capitalize on what made the first one work and often within a year of that first 
hit oh now right uh yeah <laughs> nine times out of ten friday the 13th 100 yeah. percent. That, that was like a film a year by at one point um yeah. so this film does try to replicate some of the things that made the first one work while also adding some things that will really set the course of what the showa era becomes for kaiju films yeah, everyone credits this movie, and the uh, sometimes it's the only nice thing that they have to say about it is like, oh, it's the first giant monster movie where two giant monsters fight one another. And it's like, well, yeah, but well, and it's interesting because I feel like from the way Honda, oh, because we talked about last week about how Honda doesn't talk so nicely about his own films, but Honda always opined that the, the that Godzilla raids again had got a better reception at least domestically than the first one because the first one got all the 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 international accolades so that when the second one came around then everyone seemed to be really enjoying what was happening yeah well so it hadn't been released uh, 1954's movie internationally yet but this one came out so quickly it didn't match ticket sales for the original godzilla but it it was very popular you know with kids which is what we're going to see you know, much later on, the studio moved to cater towards a, a great deal. And it did have two giant monsters fighting in it, <laughs> for better or for worse. And it, and it utilizes a title in Japan that is something that's used a lot in specifically another massive Japanese franchise, <laughs> uh, Mobile Soup Gundam. Because in Japan, this film is known to, as it's translated, Godzilla's Counterattack. Yes, Gojira no Yakushu, which is also what they name the suit that is used in this film, the Godzilla counterattack suit. Which I think is a cool title. I, I definitely like it more than Godzilla Raids Again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting because that that in itself seems like a Jap- Japanese translation, you know, like that, that doesn't seem like a title that comes up in American films, yeah. but that, that's uh, well, what it came out as. And um, well, just because I know from anime and stuff, counterattack is absolutely something that's used in Japanese films a lot. Why is it called Godzilla Raids Again? We probably should have looked this up, but one of the things we're going to talk about is this was brought over after the success of Godzilla King of the Monsters in 1956, I believe a year later. It it, it was tried to be brought over a couple of times, but it came here to the U.S. as Gigantus the Fire Monster. They, for some reason, what ad wizard thought of this decided, you know, we're not going to go with Godzilla, which sold $2 million uh, in ticket sales here in the United States last year. We're going to rename this monster Gigantus, I guess, because maybe Godzilla dies in the first movie. They're like, okay, well, this, this is another monster, you know, <laughs> another monster, not named Godzilla. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, So the, 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 re- the- the reason it's called Godzilla Reds again, it's it, it, it was something that happened uh, before it became Gigantus the Fire Monster. The working title was oh. Godzilla Reds again because I, I knew a couple of studios had their hands on the print. Right. So one of the producers said we called it Gigantus because we didn't want to be confused with Godzilla, who had been killed by the oxygen destroyer. Yeah, and I guess so kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It's just. 
it's the difference between the character, the monster's name, and the monster's genus. I mean, that same producer had been telling people that the original Japanese film, film was called Angerous. So, yeah, like, well, th- it, there's a whole slew of not no help. But I feel like Godzilla Raids again, probably as it got recognized as a Godzilla film and as Godzilla films were more and more beloved by people when they released it, they're like, oh, we're going to go back to the first title. So it's definitely not a Japanese choice, I think, for that title. We'll talk more about titles in a moment when we get to what's in a title. But Toho was so ecstatic that Godzilla King of the Monsters was a hit in the United States. When this was optioned, they sent over, I I think, the original Godzilla suit in this film and an Angyra suit for them to film more scenes with them to expand upon the story. Those are lost to history. Nobody knows where those are. <laughs> they are not in a museum. Uh, they're sadly they might be rotting somewhere in like a basement. Oh. But th- that first production never got off the ground. But the movie was turned into Gigantus the Fire Monster. That's what it released as here in the United States and other countries. We get much better titles, including the Return of Godzilla, which will get used. Uh, eventually right or <laughs> in, godzilla, in, about, in about 30 more years godzilla returns in germany also a great title the king of the monsters used again here in spain and the fire monster in brazil it just um i don't know maybe maybe it wasn't meant to be atomic breath in this this second movie because his dorsal fins don't light up and light like, up is this godzilla was it was this also awakened by atomic fire? I don't know. Uh, there's so many questions. Well, so here's the thing is because this seems to be this from here on out, these same Godzilla. Yeah. I think they just forgot to do it. <laughs> oh, are you saying that in this rushed, like seven month production, they forgot uh, uh, an element of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they just didn't have time. But instead of commenting so much on, I know that some people like to say, oh, well, the first film was about the first atomic bombing and the second film's about the second. Now, this film has a lot to say about the Japanese fishing industry. And yeah, it might seem a little out of place, but literally at the time, fishing was the most important sector of Japanese economic growth. And as they were not yet the dynamo or industry of for like electronics, the nation lived on fish and patrick i think you mentioned to me off air that uh, more than a third of japan's economy was centered around offshore fishing yeah it it seems like there's a lot about fishing in this movie and it's like well why is why are our main characters all working for a, a fishing company but yeah i mean it so little of of japan's landmass is arable farmland you know you've got the tokyo basin and that's like the majority of a farm across the the islands so much of it is mountainous so they bring in a lot of fish from the sea and it puts into stark contrast why the lucky dragon number five was such Mm -hmm. a devastating devastating idea the the fact that uh, the united states could just do testing in international waters and mess up the the fishing trade and kill sailors it's one of the reasons why our heroes are are plane spotters for for this this fishing company and it you know it goes to the heroes being kind of like working class characters that uh, a theme from the first movie where we have mm-hmm. agata and, and a scientist as is kind of the, the the heroes and not the military obviously although the military gets glorified in the end of this movie <laughs> it's one of the first films where the military actually has some effect 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, the uh, until the formation of, of G Force, yeah, it's one of the few moments where the military has a real, <laughs> actual effect uh, for for sure. Unfortunately, Shira Honda could not do this film. He was he was filming another movie called Love Makeup at the time. I think he was on pre-production for another film. He was doing at least two a year <laughs> at this point. Yeah, and one of the things that the biography brings up is, unfortunately, outside of his science fiction movies, it's very difficult to get a hold of Honda's other movies. And they sound oh. genuinely interesting. And I really hope that this book has sparked more interest in seeing his work and that it's there was at least some of these movies have never even been subtitled. Well, it's a shame because you, you know, some of them still exist in film format because they will be replayed sometimes in Japan at film festivals and things like that. But why not digitize them? Why not put them I, out there for people to, to I want to watch experience. it so bad. Um, yeah. So he's not able to do this and directing duty fell to uh, Motoyoshi Oda, who was assistant director under Honda for 1953's Eagle of the Pacific, uh, a war film. And I believe this is the last film he had ever directed. Yeah. I, th- I think he might've done some other assistant directing work, but supposedly this, I mean, it wasn't as successful as the original Godzilla and the reaction wasn't as positive, even though Honda thinks people liked it more. But there's not another Godzilla movie for a number of years. And I think they were worried that, you know, you, you put a third movie out there and that just drops all interest altogether. <laughs> Who knows? But Superaya does effects for this one, special effects for the film again, but even less time than they gave him for the original Godzilla. And this technically is a more difficult project with a lot of things that they were trying to do here, you know, from the ending where you're outside and you have the, the ice and the mountains and the snow, real snow and ice that they used for the, the climax of the film to trying to film these two suits attacking one another around the miniatures there's i mean there's so many stories of the set production going awry from the the temple that we see destroyed in the the final fight between Angiris and godzilla something was wrong with the suit so he called cut subraya called cut on the set and the people holding the lines to pull down the tower did not hear him say cut so they destroyed it and this is like you know something they've been building for the better part of a month so they had to reconstruct it all again and 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 take the shot again (laughs) the special effects footage was supposed to be shot at a 18 frames per second slower speed but two of the three cameras shooting the the fight between angiris and, and godzilla were set at a higher speed like over or under cranking the you know a, a camera so instead of slow motion footage we get like a sped up high speed effect yeah, it's 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 not great it's terrible <laughs> and he liked it so they put it in the movie that you know super i and oda both kind of approved of it it feels weird it feels <laughs> it feels like you're taking crazy pills <laughs> because it 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 switches back and forth between these these film speeds well, so yeah, let's 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 get into the to the film because yeah, we're we're going to talk about that because the, those monster battles, while they might be the first 
in in kaiju cinema they are not the best i mean i love Anguirus. i love the the I, I love Anguirus. like I, he's, um, he's a great monster they just don't get the action down and i i think from here on out is more like godzilla's low-key bestie um <laughs> yeah which well, is so funny that they're that they're they're ancient enemies in in this film but this this film starts off with a similar beat in that they they start off with a roar but it just it, ha- it feels different it goes right into the score it it's not so much a dramatic shift to the whimsy that we'll see in the showa era but it's a noticeable switch and i feel like the, this film's biggest problem is it it does have some wrestling with its tone Mm-hmm. A little bit. Yeah. I, I think story-wise, they are telling, like you said, very similar to the, the first movie. It gets a lot lighter, though. It does. Parts. Uh, you mentioned earlier that, that, you know, you have some working class heroes. And this one is much more working class, I feel like, in terms yeah. of its actual heroes. And in terms of the character work, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I think that oh, yeah. they were maybe a little too light, but that's... You know, a lot of this film is is very light in in contrast to some of the dark things this, that this tries to do. Um, I also love that and, until they clarify Godzilla's back and everyone seems way more chill about that than they should be. <laughs> I mean, they bring in Dr. Yamani to be like, oh, man, I, I was really worried about this. Nothing to stop him. You know, best you could do is like flash some lights and try to lure yeah. him away. Sorry, guys, I'm out. <laughs> But but the thing is, like, yeah, they're they're totally cool with Godzilla, but but Angris, oh no, we we gotta talk about this. And I was like, really? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, now there's two of them. This is getting out of hand. So so, so Angris, it's a big boy, uh, basically is, a version of an Ankylosaurus, is but, said to be just an Ankylosaurus. But yeah, this doesn't look like an Ankylosaurus. But the, but the, but they said we're gonna call him Angris anyway, um, which <laughs> I, I'm I'm a fan of. And I they basically say that they interchange Godzilla as a specific creature and Godzilla as a type of creature. And they kind of meld the two. So this, I I believe is essentially a second Godzilla that was also awakened by the testing because we got to have a franchise. And this, as far as I, if I recall correctly, we'll, we'll find out as we go through through this series, it is the Godzilla through the duration of the Showa era. Well, we don't see Godzilla die again because no one's going as dark as a Shira Honda in the first film. But in my mind, Miles, this is son of Godzilla. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with that, too. But that gets confusing when we get a movie called Son of Godzilla. It's really grandson of Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's not think about that. <laughs> I, I, well, I, I guess because, I mean, it follows basically a similar plot of the first film is once while you do have this this cool working class story with these these fishermen and these uh, airplane pilots mm-hmm. it's most of the same thing i think one of the the cool shots is again when godzilla attacks the city i like seeing and i think i i mistakenly said this because i watched them in succession as a compliment to the first film but i love seeing the the beginning of the neon lights in tokyo oh yeah and then seeing them the whole city black out in preparation for Godzilla. There are some and, very effective shots of just Godzilla, not the fighting, but just Godzilla in that part of the movie, especially. Well, um, and it allows the film to go quiet in a way that it really doesn't happen at any other point in this film. And it, it does bring back 
some of that intensity of the anticipation of Godzilla coming back that is yeah. is extremely effective. The t- the tension that Honda's script and direction brought to the first movie. I mean, I think Motoyoshi Oda did a good job in replicating his master's kind of hand at that. You get the city going dark. We cut to seeing these prisoners being transported and you know something terrible is about to happen and it, it's it's done very effectively. You know, the escape, the destruction of the, the oil tank, those kind of things. And uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is, you know, they're leading Godzilla out into open waters with the, the flares. And all of a sudden, this giant explosion happens behind them. And you slowly see, I, I believe it's the puppet's head turn and kind of look back over its its shoulder. And that's, uh, you know, a good use of the puppet. It's very sparing, but it works. I, I think for, for me, what makes this movie flop so much compared to the first one, not that it, the movie completely flops, is that one, it can't balance the tone. That it, it is, mm-hmm. you, well, like I said, it, it's not quite, you know, whimsical and for the children, but it's, it's starting to slowly veer that way. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but because they try to do both things in the same movie and it can't figure out its identity, it sometimes come across as a mess. Mm-hmm. And Specifically, the filming techniques you were talking about between Godzilla and Anguirus, they're just poor. The fights don't really quite deliver, and they, especially as they're sped up, honestly, they just look bad. Look a little slapsticky. <laughs> it's, it is very, very slap. I mean, it reminds me like of a that if you if you kept that same speed and put the Benny Hill music on there, it would kind of evoke how I felt about those fights, but. What's so funny, because then you have you have shots of the buildings around them falling right. in slow motion. And it's 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 terrible. Well, I was going to say oh, you have a great effects in the, the soldiers or not soldiers. The, the, the prisoners are in the subway and they the fighting destroys the subway and like water comes flooding in. It's amazing. Like <laughs> I, I was literally about to bring up that specific scene because. Out of the one thing that I think this film brought was new destruction scenes. And that that subway flooding scene looks so good. Yeah. Uh, It starts with a miniature and then it it goes to like kind of a transposed scene of water flooding through an actual subway. It's it's done extremely well. And it's it's also it's like a new effect. It's something new that Subarai is bringing. And you can tell just like in the first one, he is testing out different capabilities of of his production team and you know doing it in a short amount of time i will say there's there's a moment in this film and it 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 brings me back to how i felt about them two weeks ago yeah is in the second act there is this bit where they've oh we've lured godzilla away it's probably not gonna be a problem and there is a company having a party oh yep yep and that whole bit is an absolute drag <laughs> yeah so it, it's just to introduce more characters to the movie so in addition to the main character uh played by hiroshi uh, kazumi the um, shoichi character his war pilot buddies are also in this in in hokkaido uh japan so like, a- after the destruction of the uh, of tokyo again they the, they move north and godzilla happens to go there too but 
His friend is is Koji Kobayashi, who's played by Minoru Chaki, who is kind of comic relief, I guess, in the film is is like called Mr. Groom by like the ladies and the fishing. Yeah, company he's, and- he, I mean, and, and I, I thought he was he, he did a great job. Oh, I, great. I I like that there is comic relief. I like that. I like that they're attempting to do something different. I just wish the movie leaned fully into it. Minoru was unable to appear in the first Godzilla because he was still filming Seven Samurai with Akira Kurosawa at the time, which doesn't make sense to me because Dr. Yamane is played by Takashi Shimura, who is in more of that movie than uh, Minoru is. But he, you know, they were being filmed literally in parts at the same time. And it, it said that Chiaki would go to watch Godzilla being filmed and kept saying, I want to be in the next one. He told the executives at Toho, you know, no matter what, put me in the next film because I think he was able to understand what what this movie was going to be. Yeah. Before the first Godzilla came out, how it was going to be a a spectacle. He's going to realize the magic of these films and didn't care that maybe there will be less honor or, you know, whatever in these films as opposed to the seven samurai, which obviously they knew was probably going to be a big hit. This is four years after Rashomon came out and Akira Kurosawa was already well lauded in the Japanese film community. But yeah, he, uh, he was also in Rashomon as well as seven samurai, but he wants to be this pilot character in, in, uh, the Godzilla sequel and does a great job. I think all the actors do do a good job here, but just nothing lands like in the first movie. He yeah. commits suicide in, you know, it's just in a move that you saw coming because all the film talks about is getting him a girl and let him settle down. And it's like, okay, we get it. He's going to die at some point. <laughs> right. But this movie, we got the suggestion from Toho executives in, for a Shiro Honda to show Godzilla destroying a lighthouse when coming ashore he decided against it because obviously they were wanting to show that to just rip off the beast from twenty thousand fathoms uh so honda said no but that scene does end up in this movie this is something they they wanted to see i mean i i get that i mean if you said i want to see godzilla destroy insert anything here i'd be like okay yeah i get that they do i feel like the destruction the special effects scene does go above and beyond. They do different things in this movie than they did in the first. So if you're a fan of that first movie, I, th- I think you would be pretty happy to see the sequel. Yeah. And that's the thing is it, it's easy to dog on this movie. Cause I mean, I've been doing a little bit because <laughs> it's not the not first film. Yeah. It's it's I'm mean, honestly, it's like following up nightmare on Elm street with nightmare on Elm street Two: Freddy's revenge. It's, in its own right, an interesting movie, but mm-hmm. it it misses everything that, and I think this happens a lot with a lot of second films when when it doesn't achieve what the first one does, even though it shouldn't. Like I mean, it should attempt to do something different. This one, I think it tries to have its cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. Like it wants to it wants to replicate all the things that made Godzilla success while at this success while doing something a little bit different. How how impossible? You know? Exactly. They, and they're, I think well, they're I th- doing more with an additional monster, you know? Right. And so I think for that reason, that's why this movie feels a little bit muddled and why in the grand scheme of the franchise, it doesn't get as much love as it should. Yeah. In in some in some regards. I mean, for many people, it's the redhead stepchild where it's like some of the same 
problems. Oh, I, I, I can think of one movie that gets much <laughs> more hate than 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 this one. Well, I, I just I think the the I mean, for a lot of people, it's on some of their worst Godzilla movies lists. I don't believe that. I don't understand that. It's it's good. It's just not great. It's impossible to follow up in 1954's Godzilla. I, I mean, I think I've, I've talked about my my favorite scene. You know, the ones with Godzilla being lured out to sea. Definitely none of the fight scenes. Did you did you have a a, a favorite scene from the film? Well, like I mentioned, I really really loved the uh, again the the attack on the city because I, I yeah. that subway scene. I was like, oh wow, I. I really was blown away by how good that looked. But honestly, I liked a lot. I liked the opening back and forth between the pilot and his girl. I, 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 uh, there is yeah. that, that working class stuff when they, when they were focused on that tone of the movie worked really well. And I, I genuinely liked the characters. What I can't, I can't say that as much for the first Godzilla, mm. even though I think Sarazawa is an amazing character. I think everyone else fulfills the role. And they do have wants and needs, and and they're they're decent characters, but they're not characters that I care as much about. And this movie gave me characters that I cared a little bit more about what happened to them. I agree, and and one of the reasons for that, and one thing I think works very well in this film, we don't really see in the first Godzilla, is we see their workplace, we see the the cannery, the fishing company. Um, in use, you see offices, mm-hmm. we see her working there and the radio. Then we see it after it's been destroyed by Godzilla. We see it in, you know, with like no roof and, and the walls burnt down and things like that. Um, we get to see the destruction like firsthand through the character's eyes, you know, and people are out of jobs. You know, they have to the main characters move hundreds of miles away to to work in another factory. I thought that was very interesting. It was a good idea. Yeah, I I, I think there there my issues with this movie are just that that the sum of all the parts doesn't quite work. Even though all of the parts by themselves, for the most part, are pretty solid. Legacy for this film is next to none. You know, I mean, this film is looked over a great deal. I think in Godzilla's catalog, it's the last black and white. Godzilla movie. I, I just, I don't hear it talked about. I don't, I don't feel like people love it as much. And I, I really think it's just because it's standing in the shadow of 1954's Godzilla. It's not bad. We're going to get to our rating here very soon to wrap up this episode, but it's not terrible as, as people might make you think it is. I think a lot of that, unfortunately, is because people might have seen Gigantus the Fire Monster, or that might be what they're thinking of, which we're not even going to review because it's, it's we're bad doing, on we're, another we're, level. Yeah, well, we're doing Godzilla King of the Monsters out of prosperity. Um, but yeah, Gigantus. I I I, I kind of have to draw the line on doing some of these these US edited versions. And well, and part of the reason it's not very readily available anymore. I don't know if they put out that in, in home video release. But I, there's some great videos about there about the differences between the movies and for some reason, at some point, Godzilla has Angiris's uh, roar. <laughs> There's some some wacky errors in it. Yeah, I mean, you can find uh, some versions of them here and there. Uh, I, I I I don't recommend it. Just watch Godzilla Rides again. But there is a reason. I, I think there was. Why... A, I think there was a VHS release at some point in time. Oh right, right. Well, I got a VHS player, <laughs> uh, a VCR, if you will. There's there's a reason why 1954's Godzilla and 
Godzilla King of Monsters is everywhere. You can find it on HBO Max right now. You can find it in DVD. They're they're different movies, and they're worth comparing and contrasting, which we're going to do. We're not going to talk about Gigantus the Fire Monster and the, and the train wreck of its its production. Yeah, well, also, I mean, Godzilla King of the Monsters helped kind of further kickstart the global phenomenon and you know gave him the international name and mm-hmm. you know it there, there's a lot of reasons as to why we're going to focus on king of the monsters but i don't think from here on out we're not going to do you know godzilla versus the bionic monster or, or <laughs> so, you know we're not doing every version that these movies were known by we're just doing the that one yeah. but let, let's get into let's get into raving you know yeah yeah we we give three elements of the film a score of one to ten both miles and myself individually we don't talk about these scores beforehand but it's personal enjoyment the technical aspects and the evocative responses that this makes as a a piece of art within the genre Um, and then we combine our individual scores into one podcast score miles your your personal enjoyment of this film what did you think so my personal enjoyment of this film, it's funny. I have distinct memories of this film either coming on late at night or, or sometimes when I was trying to uh, just to go to bed and I just had YouTube on. Mm-hmm. It was one of the few that was fully on YouTube for, for a while huh. in this like super grainy, like, you know, VHS quality thing. So I, I do have a little bit of nostalgia or, or an appreciation for, for that kind of late night aspect of it. Cause it does feel like a late night movie in, in some, mm-hmm. in some ways. Yeah. It feels like something you see on mystery science theater 3000, but because it, it it's so totally inconsistent and it can't quite figure out what it wants to be. I mean, you know, we, we briefly mentioned that this film ends with the army basically capturing Godzilla in an, in an avalanche. And this is something that you will see several more times throughout the franchise where the, the one way you take Godzilla out without killing him is to trap him in ice. Or a volcano. Or, or a volcano. <laughs> the opposite um, of ice. Which, which seems a little bit maybe of a better thing because I... They've never explained why he didn't use his atomic breath to free himself from this ice. I mean, because he's so cold. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I figured someone might have said if someone at least had said that, I would have accepted that at face value. But so I feel like the 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 movie doesn't quite match the the fun tone of the the future Showa movies. It's not quite as severe as the the original film. And it just can't figure itself out. And I think the the monster fights just don't look good at all. Oh boy. Um, but that said, I do think there's there's plenty to take in here. I think it is a generally a fun movie. It's not a bad experience. So I gave it a seven out of ten. I'm I liked it a little bit more than you. I will say I'm rating this the same as 1933's King Kong for personal enjoyment. It's it doesn't. It doesn't do as much as 1954's uh, Godzilla as far as like watchability, but it's something I could see myself revisiting, which I didn't think before I would we watch this again that I'd be able to do. I gave it an eight out of ten, and I'm interested to see your technical <laughs> uh, view on this. I put this down with them from two weeks ago for the technical aspects of dinging Subaraya pretty majorly. This is a six out of ten for for me because. Who boy, so many mistakes, so many, so many things that thankfully we don't see again. We don't see the sped up vision anymore. Yeah, I I also gave this a six. I do think that they did some really cool stuff. I thought the 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 pilot scenes were great. 
I thought the some of the aspects of the army fighting Godzilla and creating the avalanche were fantastic. The destruction yeah. scenes were top notch. Like I said, I, that, that subway the, scene the, was excellent. The fact that that's real ice at the end of the movie, they're just burying a Godzilla suit actor in real ice. It's pretty intense. A, 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 as you do. But some of the the big technical hiccup of the monsters and the way it was shot, just not looking very good at all. It really dragged it down for me. And as someone who appreciates this franchise and future installments, I just it it didn't look great. If they were fighting at normal speed, I probably wouldn't had as massive a tick on it. But yeah, because of that, it's six out of ten. Uh, emotionally, I think this film um, definitely a few points behind the original Godzilla. It tries. It gets up there and it is not as campy as as the later movies. Like you said, it's not as important to the, the genre. I think if this movie didn't exist, I think we'd still get Godzilla movies later on. <laughs> but uh, for, for that aspect, I gave it an eight out of ten. Um, a little less than than King Kong again, obviously less than last year's Godzilla. So. Yeah, again, we don't talk about our ratings beforehand. So it's funny that sometimes that Patrick and I are are on the exact same uh, wavelength here. I also gave it an 8 out of 10 uh, because, you know, this is the first monster movie. I mean, this first Godzilla movie where he fights another monster. I think it sets a precedent for the future of the series as to things that do work because conceptually him fighting a monster is excellent. Obviously, it's it's the basis of the next 60 years, but <laughs> yeah, it doesn't quite get it right. And I mean, I enjoy a lot of aspects of this movie. Like I said, all all the sum of the parts doesn't quite work, but all the actual parts, with the exception of the two monsters fighting for me, I thought were pretty solid. I, I, I it is no son of Kong. No, I mean, for, for so for me, the total of this film is a seven. I think it's a, it's a, a nice yep. place for it to be. It's it's certainly not a failure, it, but it's also not stellar. And I, I I contemplated kind of lowering this to a six, but it's also, it's not a bad movie. It really isn't. Like when I walked away from this movie, I'm like, yes, you know, maybe I shouldn't have watched 1954s right before. Because uh, when you, you got, double, when you when you double feature those, you know you one of these things is separated. not like the other, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, uh, but but still, it's it's certainly a competent movie. It's certainly a fun movie to watch if you're a fan of kaiju films. I think a seven is a pretty um, pretty forgiving score, and I think that this this movie deserves that. Yep. Yeah, so it makes it easy for us both sevens. The podcasts, uh, kaiju versus history, final rating of the film seven. I think that's perfectly fair. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Kaiju versus history and email us Kaiju versus history at gmail.com. If you have some factoids you want to share about Godzilla's raids again, go ahead and do that and go to our website, Kaiju versus history.com to see what the next installment is in our March through the annals of monster movie mayhem. Miles, thanks so much (laughs) for for deep diving this one with me as well. Uh, We're going to catch everyone here next time uh next week when we return stateside to the u.s for another movie by the effects wizard of the west as he takes on the west coast next time tune in for history versus it came from beneath the sea Mom.